0: Just a few words for the sake of, of the brothers here and also for uh, the edification of the faithful who are here. Um, sometimes I hear ringing in my head uh, uh, Father Pryor would would say this about this. Uh, and so hopefully uh, I can convey something that Father Pryor would have would have pointed out and that is, Uh, We repeat today the Mass of the previous Sunday, uh, which is done uh, on the Friday after the Ascension octave. Uh, And I just wanted to point out that the Epistle uh, from 1 Peter 4 reads like the rule of St. Benedict in miniature. If you look at it, Dearly Beloved, be prudent and watch in prayers. Estote prudentes sed vigilate in orationibus. Monks are the men who are up when the world is asleep, interceding for the world. That is our, our charge. We pray when the world will not pray or cannot pray. We pray for those who cannot pray, who don't know how to pray, whose hearts are hard and far from God. And so we pray not only for the greater glory of God, we pray also for those of our our brethren in the world who cannot pray for themselves. We're talking atheists, agnostics, uh, members of religions that, that are not true religions, that contain erroneous ideas that keep them from God. Idolatry various forms of vice that that cut the soul off from God. And so we try our very best. We are here in the monastery. We don't go out. People say, why do you not go out? Why do you stay here all the time? What good is that? Well, if you believe in the power of prayer, then what we're doing here is we are attempting, doing our best with God's help, to pray for those who will not or cannot pray. Then St. Peter says, But before all things, have a constant mutual charity among yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins. This is another huge part of monastic life and something that St. Benedict uh, refers to quite a bit. That we bear one another's burdens, uh, he says. We 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 bear the, the burdens of our brethren in terms of their um, infirmities of mind and of body. Uh, we uh, the world has no use for this kind of um, this kind of thing. Um, uh, the business world, if if you are. Uh, uh, not the right kind of uh, person or uh, you have certain infirmities of body or of mind whoosh, you're out you know time is money, we can't be dealing with these things um, um, uh, uh, there's no place in, in the, the higher echelons of our culture for, for the little ones for those who are uh, uh, wounded wounded for those who are handicapped in some way, whether it be emotionally or spiritually or physically. But this is not what Christians do. One of the reasons why Christianity grew uh, so rapidly in the early centuries and came to uh, eventually overtake uh, uh, paganism is that Christians did not destroy those uh, of their children that that the world, that the pagans would have seen as defective. Christians did not do this. Interesting thought for uh, the period we're in here, uh, we're experiencing in Ireland uh, right now. Using hospitality one towards another Hospitality is a huge part of Benedictine life. Hospitality, uh, in our Western culture, we sometimes associate with politeness, that of course we're, we're polite and we give people this and that, and, you know we're magnanimous and we're friendly. But St. Peter, being a Jew, being a Semite, comes from a culture in which Hospitality is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Hospitality, everything revolves around hospitality in a Semitic culture. Hospitality is everything. Sometimes we don't understand that. And Saint Benedict gives a huge place to hospitality. Hospitality is, is, is one of the primary expressions. of of Christian love, which is what we do for one another in the monastery on Maundy Thursday in the washing of the feet. This is a sacramental, I don't mean a big S sacrament, but a sacramental, small s, uh, expression of of Christian charity. And this is why St. Benedict says, when guests come, we wash their feet. Now this has become a, a washing of the hands, so that when a guest comes to the refectory, we wash their hands. Uh, It's not because they're dirty, Uh, they may be, but um, it is a sacramental act, enacting in some way the the charity of Christ for his brethren. Using hospitality one towards another without murmuring. This is another aspect of St. Benedict's teaching that appears Throughout the rule, the great evil in the rule of St. Benedict is the evil of murmuring, murmuring, grumbling, complaining, criticizing, tearing down. This is absolutely counter (laughs) the way our culture is, where everything is up for review. You know, uh, every uh, Restaurant, every, uh, I mean, even things that you wouldn't think would, would have been reviewed in the, uh, only a few years ago are being reviewed, you know. Um, this walkway, <laughs> this bus shelter, this, 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 this. And so everyone has something to say about everything and is reviewing things all the time. This is a critical spirit that has no place in, in a monastery. Uh, and so, murmuring is forbidden. St. Benedict treats this as a great cancer that must be cut out wherever it it appears. Then St. Peter says, As every man hath received grace, ministering the same one to another, I receive grace, I give grace. My brother receives grace, he gives grace. Ministering the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold. Not all grace is the same. Grace appears in various different forms. Uh, Graces that I receive may not be graces that Brother Thomas Aquinas receives or that Austin receives. And I have certain deficiencies. And I can help them with certain graces that I've received. And they can help me. This is why community is absolutely necessary. And this is not just a monastery. This is a family. uh, The natural family. The parish uh, family. uh, uh, Groups of, of, uh, of, uh, for instance, our oblates would be a kind of community that even though they're dispersed, They help each other by praying for one another, administering graces one to another. If any man speak, let him speak as the words of God. The sins of the mouth, of the tongue, are, as I said regarding murmuring, can be the most grievous sins. They can slay a person not physically, but they can be like a sword that severs, uh, 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 that that, that cuts deep, 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 deep inside the spirit. And so, when we speak in the monastery, St. Benedict says, in much speaking, thou wilt not avoid sin. So, he says, don't talk a lot. But when you do talk, Talk as the words of God. Speak the word of God one to another, but when you choose your words, choose them as if God himself is the one saying them, and the kind of words that you would want to hear from God. And of course, in the abbot, the abbot is the image of Christ, and this applies to him uh, especially If any man speak, let him speak as the words of God. St. Benedict tells us, uh, us monks, that we receive the words of the abbot as if they're coming from the mouth of Christ. This is not a kind of worship of, of the abbot. It's a veneration for Christ himself. Christ himself speaks through people, through things, through circumstances, in all sorts of ways. So this is a way of of showing reverence to Christ in the various ways in which he appears to us. If any minister, minister meaning serve, let him do it as of the power which God administers. So we serve not according to our own power, our own abilities, our own cleverness. We serve in the way that God would have us serve. And sometimes this means becoming crucified to our ideas about what is useful and what it, what our skills are, where our strengths lie. It's not unknown for uh, very uh, uh, smart, very skilled people uh, in the world to come to a monastery and to be struck down by uh, illness or. Or um, some kind of a moral infirmity, and so everything that they counted on in the world is now. Uh, God has done away with that in His, uh, in His, what's sometimes called His tender and severe mercy. He's removed that because I was relying on it. I was uh, thinking I was very, uh, very clever and very good and very skilled, and that somehow I was doing God a favor by uh, uh, offering my talents. No, sometimes God says, I don't need that. Uh, In our class on the Psalms that we have been having here in the monastery, we just did uh, the part of Psalm 15 where the psalmist says to God, my goods are nothing unto you. My goods are nothing in your sight. Anything that I have to offer is absolutely nothing. God wants to see in us the gifts that He Himself gives. Otherwise, He simply isn't interested. And so, if any man minister, if any man serve, let him do it as of the power which God administers. And this is so Benedictine, which comes next. And in fact, St. Benedict almost quotes it verbatim that in all things God may be honored through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in Latin, Ut in omnibus honorificetur Deus per Iesum Christum Dominum Nostrum. St. Benedict has it, Ut in omnibus glorificetur Deus. Sometimes you'll see in Benedictine books, uh, you see... U, let's see U I O G D. Those those letters, and that stands for Ut in omnibus glorificetur Deus, that God in all things may be glorified. So that is one of the mottos of the Benedictine Order, that everything we do, uh, the things that we might see as 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 being uh, 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 more interesting. You know that I'm 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 writing a book, or I'm uh, I'm preaching, or I'm uh, uh, painting beautiful icons or pictures or something like this. We honor God with that, but sometimes washing a floor, doing a, doing the dishes, cutting the grass, all of these things that are seen to be mere chores, not glamorous, not interesting. Uh, perhaps uh, less uh, offering to God something less because it, it has less of a of an impact. You know, I can paint an icon and put it up here, and, and people will say that's beautiful. And it adds to the glory of the temple. But sometimes the humble brother who is simply washing the floor is doing something even greater because it's being given in a spirit of sacrifice and and of love. Uh, greater than that of the brother who may be doing something else. But the point is that in everything we do, everything we do, without exception, uh, down to the most menial things, the most everyday things, are done for the glory of God. Done for the glory of God. This is quintessentially Benedictine, And this is, uh, I think, an attitude that Christians would do well to recover that everything we do has a significance. Uh, Nothing is just merely sort of, um, we sometimes think of a delineation of secular and sacred. Okay? So when I go to church on Sunday or for a holy day, I'm entering into the sacred. But out here is just this kind of secular area. You know, when I do my, uh, my laundry or I do my grocery shopping, it's just kind of this little secular thing. And, but what really counts is what's going on over here in church. Well, to a certain extent, yes, what's going on in church is, 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 is uh, more worthwhile spiritually, perhaps. But the point is, everything can be and must be done for the glory of God. So that the sacred no longer retreats, into its own little corner, which is what I see what's happening in Ireland, unfortunately, and generally in the world, the Western world, so that the sacred doesn't retreat into its little ghetto, but that the sacred explodes into the ordinary and uh, 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 changes everything in the world. And this is how Christianity came to conquer the Roman Empire. Uh, the, The The religion of the crucified uh, conquered the greatest uh, empire in history. And this is because Christians did everything for the glory of God. They went out and they transformed society by doing the the most humble things, by being, as St. Paul says, the offscouring of all things. By, by occupying that space of being the humble and the little uh, uh, with whom God can do so much. With a great person, God can do nothing. This is why uh, I was just uh, remembering today something that a professor once told me, a scripture professor, which is that Saul the Pharisee Saul in the book of Acts. He's named after King Saul. King Saul was the great man. He was strong. He was handsome. He stood head and shoulders above his brothers. And he was chosen because by Israel because they said, this is a king. Look at this guy. He's fantastic. He looks great on a magazine cover or <laughs> whatever it is, commemorative plate or whatever they do. Um, nowadays, um, he's he's really fantastic. He's really really something. Um, uh, so he was the great tall, handsome, powerful man that uh, uh, Israel wanted for their king uh, in order to, to stand tall among the nations. So this is what this is the the name that the man we know as Paul was given. So the Hebrew uh, uh, connotation is the great, the great Saul. And what does God change his name to? Saul, Hebrew, becomes the Latin paulus, which means tiny. It means tiny. (laughs) And my scripture professor says, it's a joke. God sometimes jokes and he's saying Saul, I'm going to bring you down and you're going to be tiny but that means that I can actually start to do something with you. I'm going to break you down to nothing but you will be the greatest because I have done that to you. I've humbled you and now I can start to build you back up to be the person I want you to be. So this epistle is, is, is uh, full of all sorts of um, uh, really important uh, concepts to the, Bene- to the Benedictine tradition. And, and it's not just for monks. It's, it's the Benedictine spirit is the Christian spirit. As Bishop Basue said, it's a mysterious abridgment of the Gospel, that's all. It's nothing uh, uh, innovative, it just takes the Gospel principles and applies it in a a particular context. Uh, So, uh, for my brothers, it's important for us to to, uh, once again meditate on this uh, epistle from St. Peter in terms of our own vocation. And for uh, those of you in the world, it's important for you to take to heart these things too. Because this is the way Christianity begins to break out of one's private uh, space and uh, uh, begin to invade the culture. Uh, uh, really replacing what is not even culture because culture comes from cult, cultus worship, liturgy. People say uh, American culture and uh, you know Western culture, modern Irish culture, all these things. If there's no cultus, if there's no worship, if there's no liturgy, it's not culture. It really isn't. And so, what the world needs is cultus, the worship of God. And if we can, as monks, if we can contribute in some way to the visibility of the primacy of cultus, of worship, then thank God. But you can also do it in your own lives even in the little things. I've gone on long enough. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.